0: Hi, I'm Tiggy, and in this podcast, I'm going to be going through the Edexcel, History, IGCSE Paper 1, Germany. Um, and I'll be going through chapter by chapter um, over the whole course, and then I will explain how to lay out your questions at the end. Your question A, your question B, and your question C. Hope you enjoy. Right, so I'm going to go through chapter 1, Germany, paper 1, history, um, the German Revolution of 1918. I'm going to go through it really quickly. Okay, so, um, Germany was at war with the French, the British and the Russians and they thought they were going to win because they had the largest army in the whole world Um, but then... In 1916, they had a really bad year with casualties. Um, There was a cold winter, so the potato crop was destroyed and they lived off turnips. And the average person lived off a thousand calories a day, which is half what you need for a healthy diet. Um, There were workers' strike. One was led by um, the communist leaders Karl Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg and 10,000 workers attended it. Um, eventually, General Ludendorff, who was basically like the head general of um, the, the German side of the war, um, he said that the war couldn't be won. And so some German, diplom- German diplomats made contact with the American president, who at the time was Woodrow Wilson, and he made some peace proposals, which were fairer than what the French would offer, French or the British would offer and he said that his his term was that Kaiser the Kaiser would have to resign and he wanted Germany to be democratic Um, Kaiser Wilhelm Kaiser Wilhelm he didn't want that because obviously he was the Kaiser he wanted to stay the Kaiser Um, and he carried on with the war instead even though it was quite clearly not going to be winnable um so he ordered the german navy to attack the allies um but in, in order to like win but he wasn't going to win anyway so the german the german navy they could see that that was uh it was a suicide mission so they mutinied and that spread through the whole of germany and um the social democrats led by friedrich Ebert. Um, which was the largest party in the Reichstag, they saw this mutiny and they wanted to stop the left-wing revolutionaries revolutionaries from coming into power. So they threatened the Kaiser, saying that they would join the revolution if he didn't resign. And so the Kaiser fled and Frederick Ebert and Philip Scheidemann, both of the... Um, social democrat party they came into power in um in germany and then they signed an armistice with the allies which was less like an it was less like a ceasefire because they the german army essentially had to had to leave france and abandon all their weapons and go back to germany which is not it's not really like a ceasefire, it's more like a surrender, which was embarrassing to a lot of German citizens who originally, since they had the biggest army in the world, had thought that they would win the war so it it seemed like under the Kaiser, they may have still won the war, but that was that was not true anyways, next um The Spartacus revolt happened in January of 1919. Mm -hmm. Um, The the Spartacists were communists and they wanted the country to be controlled by the councils that had been established during the war. And um, they were led by Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht. Um, The Spartacists, basically, they were really they were really not very um they weren't very organized and eventually they only managed to capture the government's newspaper office which is obviously not all they wanted they wanted it to like completely come into power so that they could have have the country run by the councils um they wanted to overthrow Ebert, um basically and um so Ebert basically he called he called on the Free Corps, which were the ex-soldiers, um, and he so two thousand Free Corps marched and attacked the Spartacists, and a thousand Spartacists were killed um, in, th- in the street f- in the street fighting. And Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht they were both arrested and shot. killed. Um, so the Spartacus had no leaders, um, and since they were basically, um, Ebert's most, Ebert's, like, they were Ebert's biggest opposition. So without, without their two biggest leaders, they, they never recovered and they kind of died out. Um, and Ebert then he he declared himself the fu- well there was an election, and he won all the all the votes and stuff because obviously no one could vote for the Spartacists because they weren't they weren't really a thing anymore. Um, but Ebert became the first president because he won all the votes and. Uh, the new German Republic, named the Weimar Republic, was declared. So, you know how Wilson had said that if the Kaiser abdicated, which he did, um, well, eventually, um, the 14 points would be enforced and they were fair, there was, it was a fair piece. Um, well, that didn't really happen because the French Prime Minister and the British Prime Minister both wanted germany to pay for world war one so the french prime minister the british prime minister and wilson they met and they talked and they decided on the treaty of versailles which was not at all what germany had expected nor wanted um it basically it said that 10 percent of their land would be taken uh 12 percent Which was 12% of her population and 16% of the coalfields. So a lot of their raw materials were just gone. Um, And their army was reduced to 100,000 men. Um, They weren't allowed planes nor tanks or submarines. Um, They had to pay £6.6 billion in reparations. Um, and they had to accept the blame for the war, which was embarrassing to the Germans. Um, the Germans, they, they had to accept this. They, they really had no choice because they still had no food because the British Navy was still blockading their food ports. And if they didn't accept the terms then the French would likely invade them, um, and their army had dissolved, so they couldn't fight them back. And, yeah, their economy was just in ruins. So they signed it in 1919. And those who did sign it were called the November criminals. Because a lot of Germany had resentment towards them. Because there were so many things in the Treaty of Versailles which would anger like a lot of the population. Like... The ex-soldiers who lost their jobs because of the Treaty of Versailles, they were angry because obviously they lost their jobs. Um, But yeah, and a lot of Germans just they wanted to believe that Germany could have won the war because, I mean, it kept them having pride in Germany. But realistically, it was very unlikely that Germany could have won that war. So 2 months after the Treaty of Versailles was signed um the Reichstag drafted a constitution which ended the rule of the Kaiser and replaced it with democ- democracy and rights and yeah um voting was done by proportional represent- rep- representation um So basically, the amount, the amount of, the percentage of votes that a party got was the percentage of seats that they got in the Reichstag, which was not, it wasn't great. Because um, it gave like small, radical parties a voice um, and it made for a really indecisive government because everyone was disagreeing. The constitution it also meant that German citizens had freedom of speech and freedom to follow whatever religion they want. Um the president appointed a chancellor to help him run the government and um usually it was the leader of the largest party because you needed like the support of the Reichstag, the people in the Reichstag. Um but I mean, it was it was still the president's choice. Um, the president also appointed judges. So I mean, in Abbott's case, he was right wing, so all of the judges were right wing, which I mean that that didn't really work much because um, they'd go easy on the right wing people and go harsh on the left wing people. Um, and oh, also Article Forty Eight. Was in the constitution. This meant that. If something went wrong. In a crisis. um, The president could rule by emergency decree. Without any. Like he didn't need the support of the Reichstag. To make any laws. Or change anything. And this could be abused. Because he could just declare a state of crisis. And suddenly. He didn't need the support of the Reichstag anymore. So. Many, many were happy with the new constitution, but there were a lot who also didn't like it because, and and this was mainly the right wing who thought that Germany under the Kaiser was more powerful. And in a sense, it it was because there was a larger army. There was a massive army. I mean, it was it was the biggest army in the world. Um, And now it's down to 100,000 because of the Treaty of Versailles. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot of debate about whether this was a good thing for Germany, the change in politics, whether it was a good thing or not. Um, anyway, that, that concludes chapter one of the edXLIGCSE History Germany. So this is chapter two of, um, paper one Germany History edXLIGCSE um and it is the Weimar Republic 1920 to 23 so previously the free corps had helped um Ebert's government in defending him against the Spartacists who basically wanted the country to be ruled by the local councils that had had been established during the war and not by Ebert's government so um they defended him because they didn't like communists, not because they agreed with Ebert's government, because they didn't, because he'd agreed to the Treaty of Versailles, which basically had lost a lot of them their jobs, because the Free Cops were basically made up of all the ex-soldiers who lost their jobs because of um, the Treaty of Versailles restricting the army to 100,000 men. since many of the ex-soldiers joined the Free Corps, the Allies kind of they got worried about this because basically it was like Germany had two armies: one to show, and another that was kind of like a a secret army that they weren't they weren't really allowed to have because of the Treaty of Versailles. Um, so the Allies told Ebert to disband them and well he asked he asked he asked them to disband and they were like no um so instead the free corps they joined with the leader of the fa- the patriotic fatherland party who's called Wolfgang Cap and they twelve thousand of them marched on Berlin and Ebert was forced to flee because the army refused to defend him because many, many of them agreed with what the Free, cor- free Corps were doing. Because, I mean, they were in the army. They they, they could see how how badly the, the army would be able to defend Germany now that Ebert had agreed to the Treaty of Versailles. Which had restricted the army to 100,000 men with no planes, no tanks, no submarines. So... Germany was essentially, well, it could it could be evaded at any time and not be able to defend itself because of Ebert signing the Treaty of Versailles. So yeah, they they definitely they agreed with the Free Corps and running running Ebert out of um out of Germany. So Wolfgang Cap he came into power, but the workers organised a general strike in Berlin, and. The capital was per- paralysed and electricity and water didn't work because the workers weren't making it work. So Cap was only um, only the leader of Germany for four days, and then he had to flee too. And Ebert came back, but the workers they didn't stop striking because they also they didn't agree with Ebert's government either because they wanted equality, which wasn't wasn't something in Ebert's government now. So, they formed the Red Army, which had 50,000 members, and they battled the free corps who beat them, um, actually. So, the Red Army was crushed. But, yeah. Um, And those involved in the cat those free corps and the Patriotic Fatherland Party, they... They weren't treated badly by the judges. In fact, they were. the judges mainly sympathised with them because the judges, who were appointed by Everett who was right-wing, so the judges were right-wing, um, and they mainly agreed with the Free Corps and what they were doing. And, yeah, so they, they let them off easy. And the Free Corps continued to assassinate officials and even they assassinated the Foreign Minister, who was incredibly an incredibly important politician in Germany and yeah the killers of the foreign minister were only sentenced to an average of four years in prison because um because the judges were so lenient towards the right wing and then even more problems for Ebert he he couldn't pay the reparations. That were decided on in the treaty of Versailles which was 6.6 billion pounds he couldn't continue to pay it so he told the French this and they invaded the Ruhr to seize uh, the Ruhr was a place in Germany which was um it was an industrial place where yeah um so the French invaded the Ruhr and they tried to seize goods in place of the money um but Ebert he ordered passive resistance, so basically the workers should not cooperate with the French, and they shouldn't fight them either. So um, they they stopped working because that's basically what was ordered. Um, but Ebert still had to pay pay the wages of those he ordered to passive resist. Um, So simply he just he printed more money and more money in circulation meant that more people could afford to pay higher prices. So prices in shops went up and since so much money was being printed this led to hyperinflation which is inflation but really inflated Um, and the majority the majority became quite poor because of this. Um, so workers' wages just didn't rise as fast as inflation did. Those living off a monthly paid pension, their pension wasn't enough to sustain them now. And those with savings, found that their savings were completely worthless. Um, yeah. And like big stacks of money were needed to, to buy the simplest things from shops um, but this was all this was all fixed by Gustav Stressman, who who came in, he ended passive resistance and he resumed reparations and he scrapped the currency by um, claiming the, them all in and burning them and introducing the Rentenmark, mark, which later became the Reichsmark, which was a new currency to replace the old one. Uh, so because he stopped the passive resistance and he continued the reparations, the French re- withdrew from the Ruhr. But even even then, some people were still. They, they resented Stressement for, well, they thought he'd he'd kind of given in to the French by agreeing to continue to pay reparations. So, yeah, they they resented him. Well, Stressman, he became the foreign minister and um, he negotiated with some American bankers who who were led by Charles Dawes and they made the Dawes plan, which meant that reparations, um, they'd only pay the instalment of the reparations if they could afford to. And the American banks, they loaned Germany 800 million Reichsmarks which, like, helped to kind of boost the economic growth in Germany. Um, even though this did boost the economic growth, it also meant that Germany's whole economy economy was relying on America's economy, which proved to not be great in the coming years due to the Wall Street crash, um, which eventually happened. Um, also later agreed was the Young Plan, which meant that reparations would be cut to £1.85 billion, um, which was a lot less than originally agreed in the Treaty of Versailles. Um, and the US would continue to give give loans to help Germany pay this. Um, Stresemann also... He met with some of some of the European powers um, to discuss what was later called as the the Locarno treaty um, and it was agreed that the Rhineland would remain demilitarized which which pleased the French because they basically it the Rhineland bordered France and Germany and if the Rhineland was demilitarized, then it would be a lot harder for Germany to invade France. Um, but the Locarno Treaty was also good for Germany because it was agreed there that um, the the Treaty of Versailles could be revised at a future date. So that was that was really good for Germany. Um, also, because of the success of the Locarno Treaty. Um, Schwestermann was proved to be um, a good negotiator and fair and so Germany was invited to join the League of Nations which it had been excluded from um, after World War One so this was a big step for Germany because it essentially meant that nothing like the French invasion of the Ruhr could happen again because obviously those in the League of Nations would intervene and stop it. Uh, Later, um, the Kellogg-Briand Pact was signed by a total of 62 countries, and they all agreed in the Kellogg-Briand Pact never to go to war again. Obviously, that didn't actually happen, but, I mean, it, it was a big step. And... With this boost to econ- to the economy because of the American funds, um, Germany changed a lot and 1924 to 29 was known as a golden age. And Germany became a liberal place with late night clubs and cabarets and cinema was popular and jazz and art and lots of things just changed in Germany, um, and the economy, it just seemed to recover a lot, but this, this recovery, it was based, it was based on the American funds, which many, many Germans saw as not a great thing, and even Hitler and, And the leader of the DMVP, Alfred Hugenberg, they, they campaigned against the Young Plan, which, um, which was basically a campaign against accepting money from the Americans, which later proved to be true and ended up getting Hitler a lot of popularity. Uh, anyways, that, that concludes, oh, chapter two and three. Wow. Um chapter two and three of Germany, IGCSE, Edexcel, paper one, history. So this is chapter four of the of the Edexcel, IGCSE, history, paper one, Germany. Um, And it's the early years of the Nazi party. So 1919 to 1923. So at the beginning, the Nazi Party was actually called the German Workers' Party, and it had um, about forty members. It was it was a very small party, and it was led by Anton Dre- and Anton Drexler, Hitler, Adolf Hitler. He came to a meeting of the German Workers' Party, and um, he came as an informant to the army, but he ended up having. A debate with Drexler, um, um, sorry not with Drexler, with the speaker um, and Drexler ended up inviting him to join the party. So Hitler became member 55. Eventually he challenged Drexler for the party leadership and he won. So Drexler resigned and Hitler made a lot of changes. He changed the name to the Nazi party. He introduced a swastika as the party symbol, and um, he bought a Munich newspaper, and uh, in order to spread propaganda and party ideas, and he introduced the Hitler the salute, um, and he, well, I guess he was he was mostly responsible for the expansion of the Nazi Party because by nineteen twenty three the nazis had 20000 members um which allowed hitler to make an attempt call uh on berlin uh called the munich putsch so basically what happened was hitler he needed the support of gustav von Kahr and general otto von lozo von Kahr was um the head of the bavarian government and von lozo was the head of the Bavarian army. So Hitler got the support of General Ludendorff. He was, he was like a national war hero. So if Carr and Lozo didn't support Hitler, they were basically not supporting a war hero and that would look really bad for them. Um, so yeah. Hitler turned up at a speech that car was giving at a Munich beer hall, um, which is which is why um the Munich putsch is known as the beer hall putsch because, I mean, yeah, it didn't go very far except for that beer hall. So um, there, uh, Hitler fired an and fired a shot in the air, and he ushered car and Lozo to like a room, and persuaded them to join him, um. And they both publicly gave him support, but um, Ludendorff, he convinced Hitler to let Carr and Lozo go home and prepare for the march the next day. Um, but they tipped off the police and the police were then ready for them. And it led to the failure of the Munich Putsch because... Well, 2,000 Nazis marched, and 100 of them were killed. Sorry, not 116 of them were killed. And um, all the leaders, including Hitler, were arrested. Weirdly, this actually turned out pretty great for Hitler and the Nazi party, because um, Hitler went on trial, and, I mean, I feel like, the judge's leniency towards him kind of gave him some extra, some extra support from people, because the judge was obviously right-wing, and he kind of supported Hitler's ideals, um, and a lot of people did, actually, because Hitler was a really good public speaker, and he used his trial to make prolonged speeches, and they were publicised by the press, and, um, actually for the first time his name was mentioned beyond bavaria and the nazis ended up winning 32 seats which is 6.5 percent of the the vote in the reichstag um 6.5 percent of the seats in the reichstag um in the next election so it actually did it it proved quite well for hitler and um he was he was sentenced to five years, but only served nine months. And in those nine months, he was able to write Mein Kampf, mein Kampf which basically laid out the Nazi policies and the Nazi views. And um, yeah, it it kind of established what the Nazi Party was about, um, or at least what his his ideology his ideologies were about. Um, yeah, that. That concludes chapter four of the Edexcel, IGCSE, Paper 1, Germany, History. Yeah. This is chapter five of the Edexcel, IGCSE, History, Paper 1, Germany. Um, And it is relaunching the Nazis um, in 1924 to 1929. Um, Hitler was released from prison in 1924... And while he'd been in prison, the Nazi party had not had any leadership and had kind of um, fallen into disarray. Um, so Hitler Hitler had seen that he couldn't get to power by force. So he then decided to get there by politics and win, win the legal way. Um, so... He divided Germany into regions called GAUs, and each GAU had a GAU leiter um, who was like a leader, the leader of the GAU, and he would win support in that region for the Nazi party. Um, he also founded Hitler also founded some organisations which helped with inclusion and, yeah. Um, he founded the Hitler Youth for the Young People, the Order of the German Women for the Women, um, the, Nazis, the Nazi Teachers Association and the Union of Nazi Lawyers. Um, this, this resulted in from 19 to 1925 to 1928. The party members increased from 27,000 to 108,000, which was a very substantial increase um Hitler did he did he did have some rivals though um Gregor and Otto Strasser the Strasser brothers they they were less interested in Hitler's right-wing elements of nazism nazism um and they wanted to appeal to the workers um so Hitler in 1926 he set out the idea of furer, um at the Bamberg Conference, which basically meant that he led the party and no one could, could stand up to that. He alone would lead, would lead the party. Um. Um, Hitler made a man called Goebbels. He made him Gauleiter of Berlin and he put him in charge of propaganda. Um, he made posters and films and articles and they they showed the Nazi message in simple terms so people could understand it. And it painted Hitler as a superhuman leader, uh, which definitely helped to get the members of the party up. Um, and in 1920, Hitler had formed the SA, which was... Um, it was a unit that was meant to protect Nazi speakers at meetings, and the head of it was um, Rom, um, and um, it also helped in getting the members of the party up because um, the SA. It was it was a good it was a good place for unemployed young men to go um, because it gave them a job, kind of and it gave them a uniform and it, hot meals and there were hostels um that were provided like for the SA so they also got a place to sleep um so yeah a lot of people a lot of unemployed young men would join it um and i mean yeah it definitely got got the members of the party up hit is for popularity not at the time but I mean later on, this definitely did help his popularity um the campaign against the young plan, which he he joined with um alfred hugenberg which uh he was he was the leader of another right wing party called the d m v p um and he was he was really wealthy and owned loads of cinemas and yeah um well, they worked together. And they collected enough signatures so that um, a referendum could be held. Um, and this this definitely raised Hitler's profile at the time. Um, not as much as it did after the Wall Street crash when he was proven right. Um, because obviously they were com- campaigning against the Young Plan, essentially campaigning against um, accepting money from America so that their economy doesn't rely on America's re- economy um so um yeah um well the referendum they they failed they didn't they didn't like stop the young plan from happening but um they did get 5.8 million votes which was a substantial amount of votes and it's um Hitler, Hitler definitely uh gained respectability so um yeah, and it, it um definitely made him a lot more popular when the Wall Street crash did eventually happen. Because obviously as part of the Doors plan, um American banks had loaned Germany eight hundred million um dollars and so when the Wall Street crash happened and the American econ- economy collapsed, the American bank bankers that had lended Um, Germany, that money, wanted it back. And so Germany's economy suffered. Before the Wall Street crash in 1929, 1.4 million Germans were out of work. Um, But then, after the Wall Street crash in 1933, 6 million Germans were out of work. And that meant poverty and hunger and homelessness. And so Hitler's message in 19. In the 1920s which had been that germany shouldn't accept money from america it became um people people noticed that it was it was a good message and he'd been right all along and yeah so that won him a lot of um support for the nazi party um and in the election in 1930 right after the wall street crash um the nazis became the second largest um the second largest party in the reichstag with 107 seats but obviously i mean hugenberg had been the leader of the dmvp so um you'd think maybe he he could possibly become the second biggest party in the reichstag but that didn't happen because um the nazis they they used loads of different methods to win support and that, that's really what pushed them over the edge to become the second biggest party in the Reichstag. So there was Go- Goebbels' um, propaganda of cinema and radio and, um, posters and things to spread the Nazi message and show Hitler as the man that would save Germany. Um, on top of this, uh, a special school was set up set up to train Nazi activists in public speaking, and six thousand were trained by nineteen thirty three. Um, and they would they would travel and um, public speak and make speeches to the audiences, and they'd adapt their speeches to to the problems that were faced by that particular audience. So, if it was an audience of farmers they would talk about the problems facing the farmers and if they're in the city they would talk about unemployment and how they were going to fix it um and also the nazi policies they were quite flexible so um many germans could kind of find something in them that they liked and that would make them want to support the nazi party uh Hitler was also really he was he was a good public speaker. Um so that also helped win a lot of support and obviously previously in his trial after the Munich Putsch he'd he'd won a lot of support solely because he was a really he was an incredible public speaker. Uh on top of this there was um the essay led by Ernst Röhm, who um and yeah, the SA it was it was massive. by By the end of nineteen thirty two, it was and twenty five thousand men, um, which was four times the size of the army. So, um, yeah, and it was it was used to like attack Nazi opponents. So, the the KPD, which was the communist party, um, the SA they frequently beat up the kpd and i mean the police rarely rarely stopped them because um the police were quite right-wing and they didn't like communism so they they rarely arrested the sa members for doing this and yeah so the kpd and the nazi party they were the leading they were the two leading parties um over half half of german voters backed one of the two parties so by um well in the time after the wall street crash in terms of the weimar republic at this time it was it was wavering it it wasn't it wasn't doing great um because the leaders of it were just it um bruning uh was he was the chancellor And, um, he didn't have the support of his own party, so he, or, I mean, he didn't have the support of his party, nor any of the Reichstag, so he was forced to rule by asking Hindenburg to sign emergency decrees. Um, so, then after him, um, Franz von Papen became the Chancellor, and, um, He wasn't popular in his party either. And because of this, he tried to bring the Nazis into his government um, by lifting the the ban on the SA, um, which should have won the Nazi support. But actually what happened instead was that the KPD and the Nazis, um, they worked together to vote against him and collapse his government. Um, And because of this, uh, the next Chancellor... Skryker, he was able to um convince hindenburg to um to sack von papen and make himself the chancellor himself being a um, uh sorry i'm sure i'm not saying that right but um uh yeah skyker or schleika i don't know um he then had the plan to um divide the nancy the nazis by appealing to the the side um, of the Nazi party that was more interested in the workers' rights um, rather than um, the right wing the, than in the right wing anti-Semitism and nationalism and all that um, so that side of the party was loyal to the Strasser brothers so Sklyker offered um, Gregor Strasser the, the role of Vice-Chancellor and Strasser was going to um, agree to it but um, Hitler, he found out and he appealed to um, the leaders in the Nazi party with a speech and um, the party, they ended up supporting Hitler again. So um, Strasser eventually, he, he had to resign from the party and Skyker's plan, it just, it failed. Um, so this resulted in von Papen making a move. Um, because he was, he was angry at Schleicher, who had, um, he'd got him sacked from his job. So, um, he went to Hindenburg and convinced him to, uh, to make Hitler chancellor and to make von Papen himself, um, to make him vice chancellor. And he did this by explaining how if Hitler... Became chancellor and did well, then uh, then the financial crisis could end, and then Hindenburg would look good for having appointed him. Um, and if Hitler failed, then then um, the crisis would get worse, and then the Nazi support would collapse because Hitler was the head of the Nazi Party, and if he failed, then then the Nazi Party looked like the they just weren't so good. On top of this, um, a, police support, uh, a police report said that um, if the Nazis and the KBD started a civil war in Germany, then the police wouldn't be able to maintain control over the situation. And um, so this all of this meant that um, Hindenburg appointed Hitler as Chancellor and Hitler got his goal. I mean, I guess his goal had been getting president. I mean, a few years, not even a few years. It was in uh, in 1932. So a year prior to him becoming chancellor, he um, he ran for president against Hindenburg. So really, that, that was his main goal. But it wasn't achievable um, because it ended up that Hindenburg. Well, I the first time round, Hindenburg didn't win the majority, which is what you need to become the president again. So Hindenburg actually won 49.6% of the vote, which wasn't enough. And Hitler got 30.1%. Um, so it went through for another round. And then Hindenburg won 53% of the vote, with Hitler winning 36.8% of the vote. So um Hindenburg became president again but it it wasn't convincing because he only won by 3% of the vote because of the vote because you need 50% to become the president so um that that would have scared Hindenburg into making Hitler chancellor as well so yeah um that concludes chapter 5 and 6 of um The LXL IGCSE History Paper 1, Germany. This is chapter 7 of the LXL IGCSE History Paper 1, Germany. Um, And it is the Nazi dictatorship dictatorship of 1933 to 1939. In February 1933, um, the Reichstag fire burned down. um, And... A Dutch communist was found at the scene, um, and he admitted guilt. So um, Hitler was able to blame the whole Reichstag fire on on communists. So um, he persuaded Hindenburg to sign the uh, the Reichstag fire decree, um, which banned communists from uh, communists and socialists. From taking part in the election, and it suspended <laughs> civil liberties and allowed police to search houses and confiscate property, detain people without without trial. Um, and immediately after the Reichstag fire decree, four thousand communist leaders were arrested. Um, and this um, this ban of communists and socialists um running for elections and the arrest of many communists it it meant that the nazi party had it didn't have much opposition so in the next election the nazi party won t- 288 seats which wasn't yet more than 50 percent, which is what he'd need to rule without the support of the other parties um but i mean it was it was a lot. Then um, Hitler proposed the Enabling Act to um, the Reichstag deputies, uh, which would essentially mean that Hitler would he'd be able to make laws without the support of the Reichstag, essentially making um, making Germany Germany a dictatorship, um, and. He made, he made an intimidating speech to the deputies and on top of this, the SA surrounded the building where the vote was happening and, I mean, looked threatening. Um, and so the Enabling Act was passed with 444 votes to 94. So now Hitler, he didn't need the support of the Reichstag, he only needed the support of Hindenburg. Um... And at this time, all political parties had been banned, except for the Catholic Center Party. And in order to get rid of this party as well, he made a deal with the Catholic Church, which was called the Concordat, um, which um, meant that Catholic schools could keep running and youth groups and other organizations um, could carry on happening um, if the Pope promised that the Catholic Church the Catholic Church would not like um, take part in politics, so uh, then the Nazi Party really it did it had no opposition. Um, next, uh, Rome, uh, the the leader of the SA. Well, during during the nineteen twenties, Hitler did, Hitler had made a lot of promises to the Nazi Party. About what he'd do once he was in in power, so um, he basically his not, his Nazi party they expected him to do something like reject the Treaty of Versailles, but um, he didn't he didn't want to do that yet because Hindenburg he still had he still had the power to um, dismiss him as Chancellor, and he could very much do that. If um, Hitler did anything drastic. So um, Rome was becoming a bit of a a problem for Hitler. Uh, Because, I mean, he wanted Hitler to reject the Treaty of Versailles. And he also, he wanted um, the SA to merge with the army. And the army didn't want this because there were 4.5 million in the SA... And only 100,000 in the army. Due to the Treaty of Versailles. Um, So if the SA merged with the army. The army would be overwhelmed with the amount of numbers. So yeah the army didn't want this. Um, And Hitler. He wanted the support of the army. Because uh, Hindenburg currently had the support of the army. But Hindenburg was old and he was soon about to die um so Hitler wanted to keep the army on his side so that when he wanted to become president he'd have the support of the army um so um Hitler he he took the SS which were essentially like his bodyguard and um he assassinated well not assassinated he um, he went and took them and he killed Rom and any other opposers of him. Um, and it went out to be about 200 people that he killed. And he he basically, he legalised the murder by calling it self-defence of the state. Um, and this pleased the army because... They didn't want to merge with the SA. And since Ron was dead, that didn't seem like it was going to happen anymore. Um, And so the army were on his side. So when Hindenburg did die in 1934, Hitler, he merged chancellor and president and he made it Führer, which, yeah, so he became Führer and um 90% of people who voted um agreed agreed with the move, with his move to Führer. um and the army they actually they sweared, le- swore allegiance to him himself um him personally uh yeah once he was Führer, um hitler didn't have much opposition because germany was a state based on terror he had so many different police and um organizations to maintain control like uh the gestapo which were secret police which um dealt with like political opposition and stuff and the sa and the ss they both still um existed and the army assisted the army continued and that really it was the only threat left so um hitler he he removed the leader of the army and um 16 other gent he retired 16 other generals and he made himself commander-in-chief um and the army the people in the army they they didn't like oppose this outwardly because they'd sworn allegiance to to Hitler himself, and they didn't want, they didn't want to break their oath. And opposing the Nazis in any way, it was, it was quite difficult because the Nazis controlled the police and the courts and everything, essentially. Um, And the Gestapo, they had a network of informers and people would, they tell on their neighbours if, I mean, if they had like personal rivalries with them um and anyone that was found guilty of opposing the Nazi party was sent to a concentration camp and the first of them was called Dachau and um Goebbels he heavily publicized it and that helped to add to the fear that the German citizens had of their of their um government or leader on top of this, the editor's law was enforced, which meant that the editor was responsible for what was published in the newspaper. And if a journalist wrote something that was at all critical to the Nazi Party, the journal, uh, the editor could be sent to Dachau, the concentration camp. Um, so the the newspapers they they definitely supported the Nazi party because no one wanted to go to Dachau, and I mean the Nazis they also controlled the radio and Goebbels was still he was um using art and film and music um and entertainment to just show the Nazi values and indoctrinate people um with the Nazi ideologies um and I mean, by 1939, seventy percent of the population had a radio. So this was, this was heavily um, publicized, and it was indoctrinating. Literally, it was indoctrinating everyone. Um, so yeah, and Goebbels also he um, arranged an art exhibition called Degenerate Art, um, which was meant to show immoral and repulsive art um that that didn't conform to German values but people four million people attended this art exhibition but not for the reasons that Goebbels wanted I mean the the works were by Picasso, Matisse and Van Gogh, so so really Goebbels' plan had the opposite effect people liked this art and that concludes uh, Chapter 7 of the IGCSE LXL History, Paper 1, Germany. So this is uh, Chapter 8 of the LXL IGCSE History, Paper 1, Germany. Uh, and it's Life Under the Nazis in 1933 to 1939. Basically, the Nazi ideology was that um, Germans or Aryans were racially purer than all other people, and that Germany is the strongest nation on earth. Um, And there was an obsession with blonde-haired, blue-eyed Germans um, in propaganda and um, films and posters. And um, Hitler, he promised to make Germany great again. Um, So he did this by destroying... The Treaty of Versailles. Eventually, um, Hitler blamed the Jews for um, Germany's defeat in World War One, um, and in Mein Kampf, he like said that Jews were the personification of the devil. Um, another Nazi ideology, ideology was that democracy and communism were bad, and that Führer prin fewer basically the the rule of one strong man was what the Nazi ideology said was was the best the best option. Another another ideology was also that um, women should um, they should they should only stay at home and. The the slogan was, children, kitchen, church. And that was all that women were seen to be able to do or um, what they should be doing. Uh, And men should be the ones to work and children should have total respect for authority. In terms of women, a lot lot changed for them after um, Hitler came into power because... Before, uh, under the Weimar constitution, they were able to vote and they'd worked in factories and went to clubs and socialised. But the Nazis changed this. Um, They made it so that only 10% of university places were available to women and um, they could only have specialist jobs that men wouldn't do like being a midwife and they were encouraged to marry um, German men with uh, pure blood and have as many children as possible and this was encouraged by the honour cross of the German mother which was basically a a a prize for having a lot of children so you get a gold if you had eight children uh for the young they were indoctrinated with nazi principles in schools um all jewish and politically suspect teachers were removed and um the curriculum was changed and subjects like biology would teach how um germans had racial superiority and all teachers were educated in the nazi ideologies and how to basically indoctrinate kids with these ideologies Um, and the Hitler Youth was um, introduced which was where young boys went and did camping sang songs and did athletics Um, and it was meant to prepare them for the army Uh, and it had it had a lot of members but like eventually in 1939 it became compulsory and all young boys had to join And for girls, it was the League of German Maidens, where instead they learnt cooking and and domestic skills. This indoctrination it meant that a lot of young children were brought up more more faithful to Hitler than to their own parents, and even some would um, report them to the Gestapo, report their parents to the Gestapo, if um, their parents said anything against Hitler or against the Nazi party not all children would like blindly follow the Nazi party though um there was the swing youth who were middle class teenagers who wore english style clothes and they listened to like jazz which was seen as uh, racially imper- inferior because it was seen as black music and um they accepted jews into their group and uh there was also um, the Age of Rice pirates, which were a working class group of children who also listened to jazz and dressed in their own style. But, um, and, oh, and they also, they sprayed like anti-Nazi graffiti. And eventually 12 pirates were publicly hanged um, in 1944 as a warning to others. In terms of the church, um, It was worrying to Hitler because, um, members of the church, they supported God and not Hitler. But Hitler knew that the church couldn't just be shut down. It was too influential. So, um, he created, um, an uh, an organisation called the German Christians, which, um, aimed to kind of merge the Christian and Nazi principles. Um, it, it didn't work though because, uh, anti Nazi pastor. He um created an anti Nazi church called the Confessional Church and it was seven thousand out of seventeen thousand of Germany's pastors joined this um confessional church. So the Nazis they saw that their plan had failed with the um the German Christians so they waged war on the churches. The church just in general, um, and they arrested pastors and priests, and um, they they closed church schools and confiscated funds, and uh, the pastor who started the confessional church, he was arrested and sent to a concentration camp, and that was essentially how um, Hitler d- dealt with... Um, opposition from the churches um in terms of jews less than one percent of the population of germany in 1933 were jews um but the nazis still saw them as a threat and blamed them for the failure of world war one and uh hitler had said about um how jews were the um the personification of the devil in Mein Kampf Um, so Hitler made the Nuremberg laws which um, meant that you could not be a citizen of the Reich could not be citizens of Germany and or the the Reich the the same thing Um, and they they weren't allowed to marry or have sexual relations with um, a German because they, they weren't considered Germans Um, this, this didn't seem as bad as what, um, Hitler had kind of alluded to in Mein Kampf because it, yeah, it just wasn't as bad as he'd said it would be. Um, so a lot of Jews would come back because, um, it didn't seem like Hitler was was that bad. Later, a Jewish German went into the German embassy in Paris and shot a minor official, um, which allowed Goebbels to persuade Hitler that um, mass action against the Jews was now required. Um, So Hitler gave the order to the SS men to attack Jewish homes and shops and synagogues, and at least 100 people were killed in the violence. And that night was known as the night of the broken glass. And actually, the Jews were blamed for this event um, and fined one billion marks. And businesses were confiscated and Jewish children were uh, excluded from schools and universities. Um, Yeah. Hitler's policies, they also... They helped to um, reduce unemployment because um, the depression uh, after the Wall Street crash had led to an economic crash in Germany and many people had been unemployed. Uh, So Hitler made more jobs by establishing the RAD or the National Labour Service. Um, which all eighteen to twenty five year old year old men had to join and complete six months of service, and they'd build schools. They'd um, they built the autobahn, which was um, uh, motorways, this network of motorways. And these men were fed and um, clothed with, with a uniform, and um, at, at the time. That they were in in the National Labour Service, they were um, seen as employed. Um, Hitler also he wanted to gain autarky, which was basically having self sufficiency. Um, so he expanded the army army from one hundred thousand, which was agreed in the Treaty of Versailles, to five hundred thousand and he announced that he would build an air force and these both they increased the number of jobs uh, available so by 1936 um unemployment rate was back down to what it had been before the wall street crash like pre-1929 Hitler also established the german labor front or the daf which um replaced the trade unions and um All employees and employers had to join it. Uh, It basically meant that bosses couldn't sack workers on the spot, Um, and they they couldn't pay workers like really low wages. Like the wages were still low, but they couldn't be as low as they used to be. On top of this, um, Hitler introduced the Strength Through Joy, or the KDF. Um, which it it made leisure programs, uh, like, um, holidays and cruises and, um, sports matches, um, which were reserved for, for the most hardworking, um, and loyal of the workers, which meant it was, it was, it was a good method for control. Because people work harder and people would show outwardly their loyalty to the Nazi party in order to to receive this preferential treatment where they'd get these leisure activities. At the same time, um, even though the employers weren't allowed to sack their employees on the spot and they couldn't pay them menial w- wages, um, it was also... Um, disadvantageous for the for the employees because they they weren't allowed to quit without the permission of the government, of the Nazi government, so yeah, they didn't have as much freedom as they used to have they also weren't allowed to go on strike to negotiate for higher wages and their work hours the the possible hours a week they could do increased, and many germans in 1939 were working 60 to 72 hours a week and that concludes chapter 8 of um igcse lxl history paper 1 germany this is chapter 9 of uh, the lxl igcse history paper 1 germany uh and it's the final solution um so germany it invaded poland um in order to provide what hitler called lieben's room um or living space uh for his uh reich so this meant that three million polish jews were now living in German occupied territory, and Hitler wouldn't allow these Jews to um, live freely or work freely. So he had to provide somewhere where they could they could live away from everyone else. So he created the ghettos. And by the end of the war, the Nazis had set up more than a thousand, and the largest was the Warsaw Warsaw Ghetto, which housed. Over four hundred thousand Jews, um, and life in a ghetto it it wasn't great. the The Jews they were forced to wear the Star of David, um, so that they could be identified. And um, uh, the Nazis they appointed a Jewish council and a Jewish police force um, to enforce rules um, within the ghettos. And if this uh, church council and police force if they didn't enforce the rules of the nazi party then then um, they could be shot uh, and their orders they included well when the holocaust started it they included um, having to deport uh, people from the ghettos to the concentration camps and likely to their deaths in 1941 um Hitler broke his pact with Stalin um, and invaded the Soviet Union um, and this this again it increased the number of Jews under Nazi control um so basically Hitler he didn't want to house the Jews anymore so instead he decided to to kill them. Um, so the Wehrmacht which was the army they, went in and invaded and behind them were uh, four Einsatzgruppen which were they were action groups and um, they totaled around 3,000 men um, and their orders were to murder groups of Jews and um, dump their bodies in mass, mass graves um, and by the end of the year they'd killed about 700,000 people this was because um, staffing the ghettos, it was seemingly too expensive. So Hitler thought it better to, um, to kill the Jews instead. However, even this, they didn't think was efficient enough. So, um, uh, Nazi leaders, they met at the 1C conference and decided on the final solution which was that um, camps would be built and um, there would be mass mass killings done by Zyklon B, which was hydrogen cyanide. Um, and so the final solution, it became known as the Holocaust. And um, the first death camp was Auschwitz. And approxi- approximately 6 million um, were killed in, in the death camps over the course of the war. Basically, what would happen once, um, once a Jew would arrive at a death camp is they'd get a ten second medical by a doctor, and the doctor would determine whether they were able to work. If they were, um, they they would, and if they couldn't, they were sent to the shower, which was actually a gas chamber where Zyklon B would be dropped in through the vats in the ceiling Um, and when they were dead, um, Jewish inmates would come in and they'd have to load the bodies into a a crematorium um, and the bodies would be incinerated Um, and in Auschwitz, even those who were fit to work, um, the average life expectancy was around six weeks um the nazis they didn't they didn't just um target the jews they they also targeted gipsies um political opponents like communists um and they and religious leaders um and physically and mentally disabled and homosexuals after um the nazis tried to cover up their crimes um, like in Treblinka where about 750,000 people were murdered they um, dismantled it and turned it into a farm um, and now only about 8,000 people have been convicted of crimes um, with um, a man called Simon who, uh who is a Nazi hunter he, he is responsible for about a thousand of these but a lot a lot of people did escape justice. Eventually uh, all the death camps were found and the people were liberated um, and now Holocaust Day, Holocaust Memorial Day is on January the 27th every year um, which is the day that Auschwitz was liberated um, and all concentration camps had been captured by May 1945, and that ends Chapter Nine of IGCSE at Excel History Paper One Germany. This is Chapter Ten of IGCSE History Paper One Germany at Excel, um, and it's Germany during the Second World War. So Hitler made a deal with Stalin that he wouldn't invade the soviet union basically and um this was because in 1914 in world war 1 um germany had been fighting the war on like from so many different directions and they were fighting against so many different um enemies so hitler made this deal so that he wasn't repeating the mistake of fighting more, more enemies than he could handle. So this deal was called the Nazi Soviet Pact and, um, it really helped him because it allowed him to, to defeat the French and push the British off the conti- continent. Um, and then, then after that, he, he broke his pact with Stalin and he did attack the Soviet Union and the, um, that offensive, it was called Operation Barbarossa and it, it consisted of about three million men. Um, but that, that wasn't, it wasn't a good idea to do that, to break his deal with Stalin because Britain was still in the war and so Germany now had more enemies. Uh, and on top of this, Hitler declared war on America um, so it had even more Um, enemies and in 1943 the german sixth army were surrounded by soviets at stalingrad and by late 1944 germans were were retreating they were were all retreating because they could see that they weren't going to win the war they'd made too many enemies and they couldn't they couldn't stop them all so hitler then in a last like bid for um Winning the war, he sent his forces out on suicide missions and, um, well, none of them worked. Um, So eventually, in 1945, Hitler committed suicide by taking cyanide cyanide pills and also shooting himself. And then Germany surrendered. They'd lost their leader and they knew they'd lost the war. On the home front, um, rationing happened. Uh, and in the first two years, this it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, two out of five Germans actually ate better than before the war. Um, but I mean, the diet was monotonous, and it was all it was all the same every week. Um, and also, clothes, soap, and hot water were rationed. But then um, Russia invaded in 1941. And supplies were more limited and uh, people started to have resentment towards the war. Um, And uh, from 1943 onwards, uh, it it seemed to the Germans that the war wasn't going the right way, that it wasn't going their way. And so uh, back in Germany... um, Manufacture of civilian clothing and other non war related industries kind of stopped and sixty one percent of german's workforce was engaged in war industries instead even though all the the workforce was moved to making um, war related like weapons and supplies um Uh, Production increased 300%, which was obviously, it was a lot, but still Germany could only produce 40% of the tanks and 25% of the planes that the USA and USSR and Britain could, who obviously were their enemies. The role of women in the war also changed because obviously the Nazis had believed that the women's place was at home, Um, but this couldn't still be the case because more people were needed in the workforce so even though this was still the nazi ideology the ideology they still like implemented women into the workforce um and in 1943 three million women aged 17 to 45 were called to work but only a million actually took up a job uh this was because women they well a lot of them didn't actually want to work so they'd like evade evade the call up by pretending to be ill or uh, deliberately deliberately getting pregnant and then in 1944 the compulsory age limit um for women doing labor was raised to 50 um and really the nazis obviously their ideology was that women belonged at home so their um their persuasion of women to try and get them into the workforce it it was half-hearted and i mean they didn't really want them there and uh the nazis in germany they still believed that the most a woman could do for her country was to give birth um but this was this was a mistake because uh germany's opponents they'd used women in their war economies and i mean They'd had a lot more success uh, on the home front and in supplies. Um, Britain and Germany uh, bombed each other's cities. They started in nineteen forty, and British the British wanted to aim for like economic and military targets, like the Ruhr Valley, where all the coal fields and uh, the naval bases were, um, but. They couldn't actually get their planes there, really. Only 20% of planes managed to drop their bombs within five miles of their targets. So, in 1942, the British decided to target cities uh, in order to undermine German civilian morale. Um, And they used incendiary bombs, uh, which effectively destroyed cities. Um... An infamous bombing raid was in Hamburg in July 1943 and about 30,000 people were killed and a huge fire was caused because, obviously, incendiary bombs were used. And because of this, uh, about a million people were left homeless. Uh, Another notorious raid was Dresden in 1945, uh, which was just before before the end of the war. Um and it's claimed that about 18,000 to 25,000 people were killed um and in total by the end of the war um british and american planes had killed about 300,000 german civilians but their the british and americans like their attack on german civilian morale it didn't work because um instead their bombing actually made the civilians unite um, against their common enemy. Uh, In terms of opposition, there was the Aidevice Pirates, those who, um, they were youth and they they would beat up um, Hitler youth uh, members and they sheltered army deserters and concentration camp escapees. Uh, and they attacked military targets, Nazi officials, uh, and they assassinated the head of the Cologne, G- G- Cologne Gestapo. Um, and that's what led to the executions of 12 of them in 1944. And the churches also remained a problem for the Nazis um, because the Nazis had a policy which was Action T4, um, which was an euthanasia programme. And they'd kill mentally and terminally ill um, people with um, lethal, lethal injection, injections. And a particular bishop, he gave a sermon which condemned the Nazi programme. Um, and Hitler, he arrested him and sent him to a concentration camp. And this bishop, he inspired the White Rose group which was founded by Hans and Sophie Scholl, uh, who were siblings at Munich University. And they distributed anti-Nazi leaflets uh, around the university campus, which openly attacked um, the policy and the morality of the Nazis. But they were easily tracked down, tortured and beheaded in 1943. What was really dangerous to Hitler was um the Stauffenberg plot uh so this was key figures within his own army um launched a plot against him and colonel klaus von stauffenberg he um attended a meeting with hitler in 1944 and placed a briefcase with a bomb in on the floor and left the room um and it probably would have killed hitler it had been placed in a ideal place for killing hitler but um the briefcase it was moved before it went off and so four people were killed but hitler hitler wasn't and he only had a perforated eardrum uh, from the sound of the explosion so eventually towards the end of the war um the allied armies were going to invade germany and hitler he could see that he he'd lost the war so he killed himself with cyanide pills and shot himself um and Goebbels and his wife uh killed themselves and poisoned their children and so um the head of the german navy he signed an armistice and he's well not an armistice he surrendered um And the Third Reich ended and Hitler had said it would last over a thousand years. Um, But it only lasted 12 in the end and it caused suffering for millions of people. And so now it was it was done. And that is chapter 10, the final chapter of the LXL IGCSE history, paper one, Germany. Now I'm going to go through how to lay out each of the separate questions in your IGCSE, Edexcel, History, Paper 1, Germany. Um, So question A is the impressions question and you should spend eight minutes on it. And it's six marks. You should lay it out as point, evidence, explanation, but point, evidence, explanation, evidence, explanation, evidence, explanation, because you want one point, which is, um, what impression the author creates. And then you want three separate pieces of evidence um, to support that claim. Um, And then you should explain how each each um, evidence that you've taken from the text, how each piece of evidence supports your first point of the impression. And do make sure that you use three different pieces of evidence from the text. So then question B is your effects question. And you should spend 12 minutes on it, and it's 8 marks. And you should lay it out as point evidence explanation. So, your point would be one effect of, for example, the Munich Putsch on um, the Nazi party was that um, the Nazi party became more popular. And then your evidence would be, for example, in the election after the Munich Putsch, The Nazi Party won 32 seats, which was 6.5% of the vote. And then you'd go on to explain um, why the Munich Putsch had this effect on the Nazi Party. And so you'd say um, the Munich Putsch had this effect on the Nazi Party because um, the Munich Putsch resulted in Hitler being arrested. Uh, which led to his trial, in which he made prolonged speeches, which were widely publicized by the press. And so, for the first time, his name and therefore the Nazi name was heard beyond Bavaria, and he he became known. And so, people know. So people voted for him. And so, you have to do two of those, um, two different effects. Um, yeah. Uh, and you don't, you don't need a conclusion on that. Uh, and then the question C, the essay, uh, you should spend 25 minutes on that and it's 16 marks. So in your introduction, you should state the question and mention three factors. Um, and in that you're going to need, they'll give you two mm-hmm. factors. One of them will be in the, in the question. Yeah. One factor will be in the question and Another factor will be below, um, and it's optional whether you use this factor or not. But usually it's one of the biggest factors, so it might be um, smart to use that. Um, And then the third factor, you have to think of yourself. So then you mention your overall answer. Still in the introduction, you mention your overall answer and why that is your answer. Um, So for your first main paragraph you mention the factor in question and um you explain why the named factor was important um and then you do the second factor and explain uh why that is important and then you link it back to the first factor and say why you think it's more or less important than the first factor and this is all its own knowledge you have to think of it yourself um and you have to think, you have to assess yourself which you think is the most important factor and you have to link it back at the end of every paragraph. Um, so then your third, your third factor, you'll um, discuss the factor which you thought of yourself and you explain why it's important and then you link it back at the end to whether it's more important or less important than the first and second factor. And then for your conclusion... You um, say which you think um, was the most significant factor um, and which you think was the most the, the least significant factor and you expl- like short a short explanation of why um, and that's your question to the essay. So that concludes the explanation of how to set out your um your question a your question b your question c for paper one germany history igcse IGCSE at excel thanks for listening